Well, let's see if uh, the man on the line has some answers for us. It's TSN Hockey Insider Chris Johnston. CJ, the, the viewing experience in last night's game was different than uh, any other that we've, I guess, watched so far throughout maybe my entire lifetime watching NHL games, or at least since, you know, the... the, the 1080p 4k days have been around at the very least um did you find it a little bizarre watching that game last night well certainly the lighting yeah. is what really stood out to me i mean i didn't personally mind the fact it was a small building as much like i didn't find that that changed it but the the lighting made it seem minor league um the sound you know, too I, th- I thought that it sounded different as well yeah, I mean, from what I understand, being there is actually kind of cool, uh, probably because it's it is so unique and different. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a tough situation. Uh, the Coyotes really didn't have anywhere else to go. Glendale terminated the lease, and uh, they they didn't. There's only so many places they could play hockey there, and and you know they actually looked at potentially putting a temporary rink in the, the Diamondback Stadium uh, before they, you know, landed here. And, and Mall Arena is a great college venue and building, but, um, you know, it's going to be at least, I heard you guys say, it, it's supposed to be three more seasons beyond this one. The Coyotes figure they're going to have to play there. So we're going to watch a lot of games in the next few years played out of that arena. CJ, or go ahead, Mike. No, no, go ahead. Well, CJ, I was just going to ask you, like, what do you think the future is, like, long-term? Maybe I'm putting it on the spot. Sorry if I am. What do you think their future is long-term for the Coyotes in Arizona? Like, what, I know the plan is to get another arena built. Like, do you think it's going to work, like, once they kind of sort this out? Do you see a plan, like, with, with what they're doing in terms of building the roster, bottoming out, kind of? I definitely could see it working. I mean, a lot of things have to come together. If On the arena front, for the first time in a long time, there's actually – some degree of clarity, you know, the, the city council in Tempe uh, has approved the, 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 you know, the go ahead on their, their new arena project, uh, the way things work in Arizona, big decisions like that ultimately go to a, vo- a vote of the citizens. And so that's going to happen uh, in, in the spring, but, you know, assuming that goes through and I've got no reason to believe it won't, I mean, they're actually going to put a shovel in the ground and start uh, building a new home in, in a spot that they think is is more prone to success than what they had prior to this point. Um, and, you know, it's a big market. I don't see why it can't work. We've seen other sort of warmer climate, uh, what we might call non-traditional hockey markets, you know, grow and thrive in this league. I do think that the building and the lack of stability and the lack of success has has played a role in what these are as a franchise. Um, you know, but again, a lot of things have to come together. As for the roster, I mean, no one has more draft picks than they do. Uh, at minimum, they've got a ton of uh, tickets in the lottery. Um, they, they have a general manager, Bill Armstrong, who you know kind of cut his teeth in the league as, as being a, a scouting director on the amateur side with the St. Louis Blues and had a lot of success there and was part of their team that won the Stanley Cup in, in 2019. So, you know, I can see I can see the vision and I can see the plan, but it's it's just a long way away from being a long way away. Uh, and so, you know, they, they, they have to get that arena started, I would think, because, um, you know, that's, that's the first pillar towards their success. And then ultimately they got to put a winning team on the ice by the time they move into the new arena in order to get the fans excited. Yeah, you're right about the draft picks. I'm looking at Cap Friendly, and it's like two sec- three second-rounders next year, four after that. Anyway, lots of draft picks. But as you were talking about markets sort of like that that have made it, 
I think of Tampa, obviously, as being the, the best example of just any team, yeah. period. But, CJ, do you think that there's, like, a, a lesson a team like Arizona can take in, in building something sustainable from Tampa? Or is it just, I don't know, too many things and too much brilliance maybe from that front office to be really replicated? Well, I, I do think that there are there's, there's things they're already trying to replicate. I mean, the, the facility they have planned for Tempe is world-class. Uh, it's It's gorgeous. It's it's accompanied by a practice rink in the same kind of area where they're building. Um, you know, I think that if, if you get the facilities in place, they obviously have the weather taken care of that's similar to Tampa, and, and they have a you know, favorable tax situation as well for players. I think that those are some of the things that, that the Lightning have brought together. You know, what the Lightning also have is arguably the best owner in the entire sport or one of them, and, and Jeff Vinnick. And I think he's done a lot to, to build an organization that, that people want to be part of as well. And so... You know, we'll see if the Coyotes can, can mimic some of that, but I, I certainly know that they've, they've looked at teams like that. And, and you know, you, you, it's not hard to imagine a world, I suppose, where if the Coyotes are competitive and really good uh, and they play out of a nice new arena, I mean, why, why wouldn't you want to go live and play there? I, I think that they have a lot going for them. They just, as I say, they haven't, they haven't ever really lined it up. They, they've been, you know, a franchise that was, you know, spends near the bottom of the league. They didn't have an owner for a time, and then the league ran them. I mean, they just they haven't had a chance to thrive. And but the Lightning were kind of lost before Jeff Vinnick came around. So I, I can see that why the league has has been so steadfast in trying to make it work there. I, I feel like we're on the last ditch effort now. Like if they don't get this new arena, um, it could be a bad news. But you know, it, it does seem like that's going ahead. And so. Um, you know, we might move, we might actually be moving into an era where the, the Coyotes are a little different entity than they, they've been the last 10 or 15 years. In conversation with Chris Johnson, our TSN hockey insider, and uh, the Yotes uh, with the 6-3 win over the Leafs last night, and Toronto just can't seem to, to buy a win over Arizona, it seems. But that's two games in a row now, CJ, where the Leafs have let a third-period lead uh, evaporate in almost three games. If you go back to before Christmas, not a great third period against the Philadelphia Flyers either. Um, is is that – what do you equate that to? Is this more of the team just, you know, making mistakes? Is this a little rust, not getting saves at the right time anymore? Like, what do you equate these blown leads to, CJ? Well, you know, I, I look at the schedule they've just been through, right? I mean, they had four complete days off. Uh, prior to the game in St. Louis, you know, where they didn't practice or play any games. I mean, that's unusual. It doesn't happen much during the, the course of a season. And so I would expect every team to be a little bit more rusty coming out of that break. You know, I, I saw Pittsburgh blew, what, a four-goal lead in their first game against Detroit and lost in overtime. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure that we should read too, too much into the games played in this first week out of Christmas time, but, but certainly it'll be something the coaching staff is using to, to you know, get the players' attention. Um, you know, there hasn't really been a, a significant issue in my estimation for the Leafs this season. I think they've done a pretty good job of locking down the games that they were in control of. But, you know, I think the play's a little sloppy right now league-wide. And, and, you know, that's that's part of why the Leafs are practicing every day on the road, even though they've had you know, a pretty busy trip with some, some longer-ish flights. Um, you know, they're practicing again today. And, and, you know, it's just about trying to get back into to where they were in, in December because, um you know, as I say, I don't, I don't see it yet as a crisis point or, or something to a focus. You know, the goaltending could probably have been a little bit sharper last night, but, you know, the, the team play wasn't, wasn't great either, and I think everyone's just getting their legs back under them after all that turkey over the holidays. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think Maybe that... Maybe that's just me. 
Well, I, it's, I think that's all of us, realistically. There was, there was a, a ton of turkey that was had probably through a lot of people. How would you evaluate the play of the top six last night, though? A rare game here where you know none of the core four really hit the score sheet. I recall last time these two teams played, there was a comment made by, uh, by the coach about how the elite players didn't quite play like elite players. Um, was that the case again last night? How would you evaluate their play? No, that's certainly how it looked, you know, and it's it's never a good sign when you're scored on on the first shift. You know, it's not to put that just on the forwards because obviously there was a collision among the defensemen on, on that goal. But, you know, it, it just was the night where things were a little bit off for them. Um, you know, it, I guess we could choose where, where we want to find the, the, the positives or the negatives. I mean, for, for a change, they actually got some, some contributions from the second power play unit, but that, you know, is largely comprised of players that don't play in the top six. Uh, the top unit you know, didn't wasn't getting it done on the power play at, at five on five. They, they did have some looks, and you know there's a few shots that hit off posts and things like that. Um, but you know wasn't maybe the wasn't them dominating the game the way you know you, you might have hoped if you were the Leafs. And you know you got to give the Coyotes credit too. I mean I think both in the game the Leafs lost early in the year to the men and last night they played hard, they kept it close, and they got some pretty good goaltending. And that that was a recipe to to grind out a win. I mean it says six three in the score scorebook, but it was sort of a 4-3 loss. I mean, it was a one-goal game down to, to the last couple minutes. Um, and, and you know, I, I would think more often than not, the Leafs guys will get it done, but uh, they didn't have their best last night. Well, CJ, one guy who continues to be a bright spot is Connor Timmins, obviously a former Coyote, briefly a Coyote kind of. Do you think there are any parallels between what happened with Timmins and, and what happened with Michael Bunting, just in terms of a guy who kind of maybe gets lost in the shuffle a little bit? Like, Timmins is, is probably different just because of the injuries, but are there any parallels to the Leafs plucking a player out of there and then kind of playing him more and trying to find something? I, I think you can make that, that comparison. I mean, where Timmins ran into a wall in Arizona, they, they claimed Yusuf Valamaki off waivers from Calgary at the start of the year. And that, that gave them a numbers issue on their blue line. And, and when they looked at it, they just they just didn't think that they had, that, that Timmons was better than someone else and they were going to have to place him on waivers. And so instead of placing him on waivers where, where you know, the Coyotes felt they were going to lose him for nothing, they made the trade with the Leafs. And I think it was, you know, it, it's a pretty, pretty low risk back from Toronto's end of things. I mean, they gave up a prospect who hadn't been prospering in the American Hockey League. I mean, we'll see what, becomes of, of him uh, to get Connor Timmins. But, I mean, in Timmins, you're still getting a player that had a pretty high pedigree, that, that's had injuries, but it's still young and a, and a right shot, you know, moves the puck well. And, and I, I would say, in fact, you know, what we've seen from him in his first 12 games in Toronto is, is probably a little above expectations just because of how quickly it's gone for him. I mean, he had a, a conditioning stint actually before the trade with Arizona's farm team in, in Tucson, and he was minus nine in four AHL games. So, to, to predict, and, and granted, it's probably easier to join a winning team, a team with as many good players as the Leafs, that he would jump into the lineup, make the impact he has, put up some points, and, and you know really be a positive contributor immediately. I think that that's probably a little bit more than than, than we would have expected. But you know the Leafs love the the fact that he's what 23 years old, 24 years old, and and can be part of their team moving forward. Um, you know we know that this organization said. Uh, a, a lack of, I guess, right shot defensemen, um, you know, for, for a period of time here, had to play a number of lefties there. There hasn't been a lot in the pipeline, and you get to add one for a pretty cheap acquisition cost. And, and you know, it actually sets up an interesting decision for, for the coaching staff now that you got Morgan Riley back, and I wouldn't yeah. expect Rasmus Sandin to be out too long. I mean, who, who do you sit? I'm, I'm not so sure it's automatically Timmons. It may yet be, but I think there's at least a debate now with, with how well he's played. 
Well, I think that conversation's definitely worth having. I mean, we could have it right now. Like, do you see a way that he can kind of usurp one of these other top six defensemen and become a mainstay on this blue line? Well, the path that, that sort of seems clear to me is, is Justin Hall. I mean, he's, he's a pending unrestricted free agent. I mean, this is maybe more big picture than what, what's going to happen in the lineup next week. But, you know, he, he does – he could step into sort of the role that Justin Hall's played here pretty seamlessly, I would think. I mean, we'll see how he progresses, and that's not a decision that needs to be made today. Um, but, you know, if, if the Leafs get fully healthy on the blue line, which – uh, of course, hasn't been anything they had all season, and you know I'm sort of leaving Jake Muzzin aside, you know, given the, the nature of his injury in that conversation. Um, you know, I think that they've actually got a decent looking top top seven or eight uh, now with all these guys, and so um, you know I, I would think that, that the most susceptible to be replaced would be Hall or maybe Rasmus Sandin. We'll see. Although Sandin played so well uh, in, in that period where where the Leafs were without T.J. Brody, without Morgan Riley. Uh, and has only lost a spot here temporarily due, due to the injury he suffered just before Christmas. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's something every team wants to be. I mean, it's, it, those are hard decisions and hard discussions for the coaching staff, but the truth is you're going to need a lot of players to, to, to play deep into the spring, and um, you know, that's, that's what Toronto's tried to stockpile here. CJ, I want to ask you about a different defenseman, a more star-caliber defenseman. Now, hmm. before I do that, these are the leading scorers in the NHL right now. Number one, Connor McDavid. Number two, Leon Dreisaitl. Number three, Jason Robertson. Number four, Nikita Kucherov. Number five, Eric Carlson with 50 points. Now, he has four more years after this one at 11 and a half uh, in terms of the cap hit. Is there any way that any team is going to look at him and be like, man, like we didn't think he had it before. Maybe he still has it. We'll take the risk. We'll, we'll just try to trade for him and try to work something out. Or is the contract just like a non-starter, you think? I think that there's a way. You know, it's not likely, I would say, because of the contract. Um, I mean, look, we're not seeing trades really of any of any type these days too often, um, but, but certainly one involving a player with that kind of term and, and money remaining on his deal is, is, is difficult to imagine. But, you know, there was, at one point there in December, you know, there was some talk about Edmonton. I think the Oilers at least looked at it. Um, with, with Eric Carlson, I mean, I think that you have to have that conversation if you're a team with some ambition to see if, if it makes sense. It's not clear to me yet, you know, what or how much that San Jose is willing to eat on the deal, which I think would be a key component of any potential move. But at least the one thing I can say with confidence is by, by having the start he's had, Eric Carlson's put himself back on the map where that's at least a discussion point. Because, you know, if we had had this discussion in July, Jonas, I, I think we would all agree that. There's just no way they could trade him. It just was an immovable object at that point in time. But he's had a real renaissance-type season. I think the Sharks, as an organization, you know, with Mike Greer now in the general manager's chair, want to want to welcome in some some fresh life, uh, rejuvenate the organization, trade out some some contracts and veterans, and so he fits he fits that mold. But you know, they have to find a place he's willing to play because he has a full no movement clause, and they have to find a way to to make the money work. I, I would say the odds are less than fifty percent. But the fact there's odds that are, you know, speaks to the kind of year he's having. In conversation with Chris Johnson, our TSN hockey insider. Oh, guys, you hear that music? Do you hear what that music is? We have a surprise on today's show. And I'm glad that Uh CJ is on. Because I believe, Jonas, is CJ not your trivia partner moving forward? Was he the guy you picked to be your guy next time you play on Overdrive? 
He is. It was a tough decision, but I had to do what was right for the team, right? And somehow you two have yet to actually have to face off in a match against anybody. I have a trivia question. We're doing spontaneous trivia throughout the duration of this show. And my first one, you two as a team can team up and answer this question. Are you guys willing and able to participate? I am very willing and very able. Beautiful. Likewise. All right. Sounds terrific, gentlemen. So this is 2022 Leafs trivia in the year 2022. Okay. The Toronto Maple Leafs dressed 16 different defensemen, five of which played 10 games, uh, less than 10 games. Can you name all five defensemen who played less than 10 games for the Maple Leafs in the year 2022? We're supposed to do this yeah. on the spot? Absolutely. That's what trivia is. What do you mean? This is a test. It's trivia. Uh, Philip Kroll. Yep. Nice one. Yes. One. Carl Dahlstrom. Um, That's two. How about Victor Mete? I was going to say, has Mete played 10 games? He's played more. He played more. He played 11. Um, Take back to last year. (laughs) I have all the line combinations in front of me if I want to cheat. Do you want me to cheat? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, wait. No, I don't even need to cheat. How about uh, Christian Rubens? Christian Rubens is... I don't think he played in 2022. He wasn't on my list. <laughs> uh, maybe he played in 21. I think, yeah, I think he played earlier in 21. Well, Matt Hollowell is one of them. Nice. That's one. There you go. You're at three. There's two more. One, I'd be surprised if you got. The other one, I'll give you a hint. He's still currently a member of this roster. Active roster. As Jordy Ben? Jordy Ben is one. Only played eight games so far. And there's one more, only played, I believe the number was two games. What's the nationality? Uh, North American. Can't recall if he's Canadian or if he's American. North American. He's played for two different Canadian teams in his career. Is he a right shot or a left shot? He was a right shot defenseman. Right shot defenseman? What about... uh... Alex Biega? Alex Biega is the name. That is the name. That's all five. You got it. You guys named him. That's all five players, all five defensemen who uh, played less than 10 games. Connor Timmins just missed the cut because he played in his 10th game last night. Tell O'Donnell to keep his head on a swivel because Jonas (laughs) is coming for him. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I wasn't sure if you were going to get Biega. I believe I gave you guys a couple of solid hints there towards the end, to be fair. But uh, but I I didn't cheat. I'm driving right now, so I didn't didn't use any technology in in getting there. I was surprised that the first name was Philip Crawl. That's one that I would have completely forgot about. And that was the first name that you tossed out there, CJ. So full credit to... uh, Full credit to you on that one. We'll be sprinkling this throughout the show, Jonas. Don't worry. That's not the first and only time you'll have some trivia thrown at you. I got some trivia ready for the O-Dog. Even Connor McGahee, who's going to join us, I got a trivia question ready for him, too. So get ready for that. Jonas will be fine as long as he doesn't have Mark Masters on his wing, because that (laughs) that was a disaster. (laughs) Yeah, that didn't go very well. That did not go very well at all. Um, But, CJ, before we let you go, I I guess we should talk a little bit about uh, the guy who returned last night. And Morgan Riley ended up playing 20 minutes um, last night, which is a little more than I thought he was going to play, to be honest. I thought he'd be eased in a little 
little bit more than that, um, was on the ice and was a, a, a culprit for that game-winning goal. But overall, what were your thoughts on on Morgan Riley's return? And I, I mean, do, do you think the uh, just what are your thoughts on the return? Because I saw online a lot of people out there saying, oh, "Of course, Riley returns," and all of a sudden the team forgets to play defense again. You know, cost the team, and there's all this you know, negativity surrounding Morgan Riley on social media. I think it's a little unwarranted. What are your thoughts on all that? Well, it's more than a little unwarranted. I mean, yeah. I guess if we want to judge a guy who hasn't played in six weeks or whatever it's been on one game, again, coming out of Christmas, it's been fair, but, but not really fair. Um, you know, but look, it's, it, he, he plays in a style that, that he produces more offense than, than he does defensive results. Um, I don't know why it seems like everyone, I guess, look, they won so many games without him that that, that kind of conversation crops up. But I feel like that's an only in Toronto kind of, kind of reaction to a player that's, uh, played here as long as he has and, and put up the points he has and been part of the team's success in, in all these previous regular seasons. So I don't, I don't think it's very fair. And, and I thought he was just fine last night, but it's, you know, it's going to take him some time to get back up to speed and we'll see where things out end up with the power play and all those types of things. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think it was a bit of an overreaction there from from Leafs Nation. Shocker, shocker that that happened. Uh, really appreciate taking the time. Uh, great job on the trivia, both you and Jonas. I I think you guys do make quite a good team. I'll admit, you make a good team there. Uh, we'll we'll chat again next week and uh, happy New Year, CJ. Same to you guys. I hope you have a, a good one, a safe one, a fun one, and Philip Crawl for the win. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> Philip Crawl for the win. <laughs> There he goes, Chris Johnson, our TSN Hockey Insider. How do you like that? You're getting trivia thrown at you throughout the show. You ready for it? Yeah, I just don't want to. I love Mark, obviously. It just didn't work out. Uh, we, we had some good times. We had some success. It's just, in the end, you know, sometimes things are, are meant to kind of break up. And CJ, as you can see, he's got some stronger. Credit-